In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. This morning's parable that we hear, this gospel, is a dangerous parable because it's very high stakes. For those who hear the gospel and follow the gospel and live the gospel and grow in their relationship with their Lord, and if from that relationship springs forth generosity and compassion and being able to see in every person as, as being a member of the body in Christ, either as a Christian or as a potential Christian, that person can gain a great reward. They can gain a kingdom. And for the person who is deaf to the gospel, who hears the gospel and has no effect on them, and they do not want to have a relationship with their Lord, and they see other human beings as either a burden, a bother, or a threat to their narrow way of life, for that person, the stakes are very dire. Because for that person, it says in this gospel, our Lord said, is prepared a place not even meant for human beings. For this person is prepared, is sent to the place prepared to devils, to Satan, and to the evil one. So, as you can see, as you can hear, this is a dangerous gospel. Now, I know the word danger and the word gospel or good news are contradictions in terms. It's, it's an oxymoron. But this is the gospel. The gospel is given to us to change us and to transform us and to give us hope and to give us excitement. It's an, it's an invitation to be with God and yes, even to be with our fellow human beings in a new and different and transformed way. So, for the just, they saw the least, those who were poor, those who were homeless, those who were in prison, those who were in sick, to see these people as the least, and to still see them as being brothers in Christ, as members of the body in Christ, perhaps sick members of the body in Christ, but to see them as a brother nonetheless, and to treat them accordingly with compassion. This is the kind of person that Christ is inviting us and calling us to be. They are welcomed into heaven by the Lord because they already loved Christ. Just as this place that was prepared for the devils is given to the unjust, already prepared for us, those who want to have an ever-deepening relationship with Christ, and, and, and mercy springs forth from that, heaven is already prepared for each of us. Now, the unjust lived a life contrary to good news. And for them, there is only bad news. Because they lived a life estranged from Christ and manifested by their apathy to the list. There are no good works in Christ's name that they have done to hang on to. 
They are spiritually immature in their downright rejection of their fellow brothers and their lack of love for their God. Yet, however, if we realize how they responded when Christ said that that they, he had been among them and they had done nothing, they were surprised. How many people are deluded into thinking that they are okay with God? They have they, they don't they're not generous with their things. They see the world in a selfish way, and yet they said, "I'm good with God." This is a delusion. And this is, met, this is shown in the people in this gospel who are unaware even of their estrangement with God and their lack of love for men. And it says that they did absolutely nothing. Any good works might have been a starting point of a thaw, of an icy relationship between God and between men. But these people, when it, when it came time to account no good works can be found. Why did they do nothing? St. John Chrysostom says, they did nothing because of covetousness. They wanted to get and keep what was theirs. They thought that I will not share with anybody because I, know I owe nothing to everybody and therefore it's all for me. Now there's a secret for all of us, including myself, to remember all the time that we owe a debt, a great debt, because of the goodness that has been shown to us. Metropolitan Anthony Bloom talks about our indebtedness. He says we are, in, we are indebted in at least two ways. We are indebted to God because of His undeserved grace that He, showed, that he, that he pours upon us that obligates us to pass it on to others. And then he also says that we are indebted to everyone. We are at least in part responsible for the pain and suffering and heaviness in life. And it should be easy for us and for the repentant Christian to find reasons to ask for forgiveness and reasons to forgive others. Because there are many times when we committed sinful acts that hurt other people. And there are many times when we omitted to act. We, there are times when we are called to be instruments of God's grace and we ignored this call. And there are many times that we do not live up to God's Standards. Now, what are God's standards for judgment? There are two ways, two teachings about this. First from St. John Chrysostom, and second from Metropolitan Anthony Bloom. St. John Chrysostom says that the standard of judgment is a lower judgment. God gives us all this ability and God gives us all these things, we at least need to do something. To do anything. To do, if we can't do even to our ability to do good to others and to share with others, then to at least do to that which is lower than our ability. 
Because we need to stop looking only at ourselves and be closed inward. And we need to start looking outward. So that's the low standard. Metropolitan Anthony Bloom says that there is a high standard. In fact, human decency is not enough when it comes to doing good. Anyone will do good if they see a damsel in distress, tied up on a railroad track. Anyone will go and say, I'm going to save that person. Anyone will save a child in harm. We are called to a higher level, a divine level, a divine standard, where we are to show unconditional, un unconditional, self-sacrificial offerings to any and all people in an unceasing and in an unjudgmental way. So when we see the poor, when we see the afflicted, we are not to avoid them, we are not to think less of their humanity, and some way we help them. If not helping them directly, yes, the question I often get to the priest, what do we do with the guy standing at the corner? And my answer to you is twofold. I don't know. And if you're going to err, err on the side of being generous to a person, even if that person is there putting on a scam. Because even a person standing on a corner putting on a scam is a sign of sickness. But if you, can't, if you don't feel comfortable being kind to that person, Give to the shelter, give to the many organizations that will help that person. We are to, be, we are to see, be kind even to the foreigners and to the homeless. To the foreigners we are to be generous whether they are threats or whether they are not. We are called to be kind and open to the Samaritans and to the prisoners Anything. Unconditional love. Unconditional love. And the love that counts is the love that we actually do. Not the love that we have in theory. Not that the love that we have in some future plan. It is the love that we actually do now. These are the standards by which we will be judged. Now, how will the Son of Man judge us. St. John Christendom says the truth is that we have already been judged. God has been judging us and watching us in the things that we do or do not do, and whether or not we seek a relationship with Him first and foremost, and whether from that relationship we in turn do kindness. From the day that we are able to make choices to do good, God has been watching us. And judging us. And the question is, at this moment, what, does, what would God find in our hearts right now? Do we do things and follow through with our promises? Or do we just talk? Do we have a love for God and therefore a love for our brother? Or are we somehow playing a game? St. John the Theologian says in his epistle, One who says that he loves God, but does not love his neighbor, that is, in an active way, is a liar. Again, the one who says he loves God, 
but does not love his neighbor is a liar. They go hand in hand. One springs from the other. So, in closing, here are some questions to ponder and and think as we approach the chalice and as we go out of this church into our lives. Do my life and my actions express God-like, unconditional love? Do we have a vision, as God has, of every human being as being made in the image and likeness of God and being either part of the body of Christ or someone who needs to be part of the body of Christ? Will God, when He looks at us, will He see Himself in what we do? Will He recognize us? Will He at least see that we are trying? And finally... Who is the primary object of our love? Is it God? Is it our brother? Is it the least among us? Or is it only limited to ourselves? Loving God is easy because God has everything. We can make promises to God and God has everything. He doesn't need what we promise Him. He needs us to do what is difficult, which is to love people around us, make an offering with them. Loving the least among us is real, it's difficult, it's possible, and it's filled with reward and grace from our loving and merciful and all-watching God.